defeated um, this beast, uh, Apollyon, um, in the Valley of Humiliation, and then being healed uh, by the trees, by, by the leaves of the Tree of Life. And we kind of mentioned last time at the end, we would think that in a story such as this, that, that after uh, this battle that he had, that Christian would then you know, enjoy this time of, of rest and, and of refreshment for his, his body and his soul, and he would be able to, to recoup and um, regroup and, and to be encouraged and to be uplifted for a while. Um, but that's not what we find. In this story, the, the very next place that Christian comes to after the Valley of Humiliation is the Valley of the Shadow of Death. So, so right from one valley directly into another. And, um, you know, many times in our lives, we may find this to be the case as, as believers. I'm Another, and it seems that, um, you know, it may even seem sometimes like these dark uh, times, these difficult times, just will never end. And um, so, this is where we find Christian going into this second valley. And again, he meets a couple of guys that are coming back towards him. And uh, like he has before, once again, he's like, guys, the, the, the city of Zion is, is that way. Where are you guys going? You're going in the wrong direction. And we've just seen this time and time again. And here Bunyan, he's writing from a pastoral mindset. And he's telling us how often we have the temptation in living the Christian life to turn back and to go back to the life of the flesh that we had before. And so as these gentlemen are coming back, Christian, Christian he asks them, what? What have you seen that, that's made you turn around uh, from the narrow way? And, and in their response, as they tell him what they've seen, they describe this valley of the shadow of death. And this is what um, they say. They say, seen, kind of like, we'll tell you what we've seen. The valley itself, which is as dark as pitch, we also saw there hobgoblins and satyrs and dragons of the pit. Uh, these are all mythical creatures that are, are very violent and, and nasty and evil and, and sinister and uh, just meant to hurt and, and to kill. Um, kind of things that nightmares are, are made of. And they say, we heard also in that valley a continual howling and yelling as of a people under unutterable misery who there sat bound in affliction and irons and over that Valley hang the discouraging clouds of confusion. Death also always spreads his wings over it. In a word, it is completely dreadful, being utterly without order. It's a terrible sounding place. Um, and upon seeing this, these men choose to flee back to the city of destruction. Christian, however, he, he's determined that he's going to continue on um, and he makes his way on the narrow way. And, and he describes, um, as he's going on this narrow way, what he sees on each side. And he says, on one side, there was a very deep ditch. That ditch is it into which the blind have led the blind in all ages. 
and have both there miserably perished. On the other side, he describes a very muddy bog into which, if even a good man falls, he finds no bottom for his foot to stand on. So these these terrible places on both sides of the path, it's this description of, of how easy it is to go off of the narrow way, of uh, how easy it is to, um, to not continue in the, the spiritual disciplines and, and obedience to the Word and, and life in Christ. and We will fall to one side or the other if we do not persevere. So kind of what Bunyan's pointing to as he writes that. And he, he goes on even further to describe um, this valley, and he says this, About the midst of this valley I perceived the mouth of hell to be, and it stood also hard by the wayside. Now thought Christian, what shall I do? And every now and then the flame and smoke would come out, come out in such abundance with sparks and hideous noises. Again, a terrible description of this place which Christian must travel through. There's not an option. There's no other way but to go through this narrow passage. Um, It it tells us that Christian learned that here in in the valley of the shadow of death that um, his sword was of no use to him. You know, the the sword he used to uh, defeat Apollyon in in the uh, valley of humiliation. Couldn't use it. Um, and so he had to pick up another weapon, and this weapon was called all prayer. And so Christian, after putting away his sword, he uh, begins to pray. He recites Psalm 116 and says, O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. And so in the strength of the Lord, he continues on through the valley. Then we get to this very interesting account of something that that happens to Christian. And we read this, that one of the the wicked ones, one of the wicked creatures of the valley, got behind him and stepped up softly to him and whisperingly suggested many grievous blasphemies to him, which he verily thought had proceeded from his own mind. Um, This is something that, it, it, this can be kind of difficult to uh, explain what, what Bunyan is here illustrating about the, the Christian life. It, uh, especially if you've never kind of experienced something like this, it can seem almost uh, mystical or, or, or kind of strange. He's, he's illustrating here something that can happen in the life of a believer, and it's, it's a very evil um, very sinister thing that the devil may try to do in confusing a believer's mind. And, and having these thoughts that come into your mind, and it seems like out, out of nowhere, and they tell you to, to curse God or to hate God or, or your mind telling you to reject the faith and to turn away. And um, So again, if you've, if you've never really experienced it, I know it can sound kind of strange, but it does... It does occur. Um, and I, when I was in Alaska, um, there was a young man in, in our congregation. He, he was actually a teenager who greatly struggled with this. It was the first time I'd ever seen it 
to that extent. And, and it, I mean, it plagued him. It, it caused him agony. It, it was just complete misery. Um, he didn't want to have those thoughts, but he did. And it eventually led him to, to kind of concluding that he was unsaved and he was hopelessly lost. Because in his mind, he's thinking, how could anyone who has those kinds of thoughts about God ever truly be saved? And, and so he was in a, in a very, very dark place um, in his mind. And, and we worked with him and his parents, um, you know, sought to have, get counseling uh, for him. I, I got in touch with some of my uh, professors of seminary just trying to, to really help him. Through this, and, and when we left Alaska, he was still wrestling with these things, and um, you know, it was a it was a very difficult thing. It was a very dark thing, and and it was very real to him in his mind. Um, and we see here that that Christian is the same way as he encounters this. That it says that, that Christian could not stand to think that he should now blaspheme him that he loved so much before. But he, he did not have the discretion either to stop his ears or to know from whence these blasphemies came. Christian was not prepared to deal with the, the onslaught of, of the enemy in his mind as these thoughts came to him. Now Bunyan writes elsewhere um, about this, and he he writes, again, a very pastoral heart and, and, very, uh, and with a lot of pastoral wisdom. He, he talks about how to handle these kinds of thoughts. And he, he writes it almost like it's an exchange between a pastor and, and a church member who has come to this pastor for, for counseling on this issue. And what we see is the pastor poses three questions to this person. Um, and who's struggling with this, and then, and then he states a conclusion. So um, the pastor says, do, do you like these wicked blasphemies that are, are coming into your mind? And, and the member would say, no, I don't. I don't like them. As a matter of fact, their, their presence and their working, it, it's killing me, kind of like the young man in Alaska. It's a, it's a burden to me. I, I, I hate this. I don't want to think this way. Question number one. Pastor, also, do you, do you mourn for these things? Do you pray against them? Do you, do you hate your flesh because of these thoughts? And, and the member would say, yes, I do. I do all of those things, but, but it still afflicts me. It still is there in my mind. Third question. Pastor would say, would you choose, if you had the choice, that your heart might be affected and taken with the things that are best, most heavenly and holy? And the member would answer, with all my heart, and death the next hour, if it were God's will, rather than thus to sin against him. And so after these three questions, these answers, from, from the person who is really struggling with, with this in their mind, um, the pastor then gives this conclusion. He says, well then, you're not liking of them. You're mourning for them. You're praying against them. You're loathing your flesh because of them. And along with your sincere choosing of those things that are heavenly and holy, 
All of these things show very clearly that these things are not originating either in your will or your affections or your understanding or your judgment or your conscience. And so your heart is not in them, but that rather they come immediately from the devil or arise from the body of death that is in the, the flesh. Of which you ought to say, now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. And so this recognizing that this is, is something that, uh, a work of the enemy in the mind. So basically, Pastor, you're saying take heart. It, it's not yourself, but it's, it's the devil, it's the flesh that have put these things in your mind. But here in the story, again, Christian, um, he, he doesn't have the... The resources there, he, he doesn't have that understanding to know how to deal with those things. Um, and so he's very troubled by it, and he continues on through the valley. And as he does, he hears another voice. This voice he hears uh, up ahead of him, and this, vo- this voice is quoting from Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And this is the voice of a man named Faithful. And we'll meet Faithful later on in the book. And um, as, as Christian here, he hears this man quote the scriptures. He's greatly encouraged. And Bunyan writes that he was, he was greatly encouraged for three reasons. First of all, Christian is encouraged because he realized he was not alone. There is someone else that was walking on this narrow way through this valley, along with him. Someone else is experiencing this. And so it was encouraging to him. Secondly, he reasoned that God was with him. And, and this is what uh, Bunyan means by this. Is, is, so Christian at this point, walking through this valley, does not feel, he doesn't feel in his soul that God is with him. There, there's a coldness. There, there, there's, there's a distance that he feels between him, himself and God. However, he, he reasons that God is with this other man. And, and if God is with this other man, and, and they're both in the same place, at the same time, they're desiring the same things, God must be with Christian too. Even though he can't feel it at the moment in he, he reasons this way, and this is greatly encouraging to him. And um, Here we see Bunyan again. He's displaying this biblical pattern for believers where what we know informs what we feel, and what we feel motivates what we do. So because I know Scripture is true, it causes me to rejoice in my heart, which then leads me to obey. And it, this biblical pattern for how we Operate. Now, many times we, we are, are tempted to not do this. We're tempted to, for example, lead with emotion, right? And that can get us into all kinds of problems and damage and destruction uh, by doing that. But here, Christian has his feelings informed by his reason, and it's encouraging. Uh, the third uh, thing that encourages Christian here is that he hopes that he can catch up um, to this man and, and to join him together and have company on the narrow way 
with him. And, and here, again, Bunyan's teaching us about the importance of true Christian friendship and fellowship where <clears throat> we can go to one another. We can share from the depths of our souls. We can um, rejoice together. We can weep together. We can encourage one another through our, our testimonies and through the scriptures and through the prayer together. Uh, like when Bunyan described the, the palace beautiful, there's the, the local church. And so that is what we desire and we long for, and it's a good thing. Um, also, it, it makes you think of how this concept of, of Christian fellowship must have affected uh, Bunyan as he was writing this, knowing that he was writing from the confinement of a jail cell. Um, a jail cell that he was in for the preaching of the gospel. So I'm sure that this idea of Christian fellowship was very much on his mind. <clears throat> well, at this point, Christian, he, he's in the middle of the valley. And the, the morning breaks, and the sun comes, and the light comes. And he's, he's able to see from the middle of the valley all the way through to the end. And he describes it as this. All along, set so full of snares and traps and gins and nets here, and so full of pits and pitfalls and deep holes and shelvings down there. And, and all along the way here, Christian is able to maneuver around those things uh, because of the light that he sees. And Christian then arrives at the end of the valley. And again, we get another description of, of what he sees having gone through this valley of the shadow of death. And he describes it as blood, bones, ashes, and mangled bodies of men, even of pilgrims that had gone this way. Formally. So from beginning to end, we see just such a terrible, dreadful, awful place that this valley is. And it's very um, picturesque. It's very illustrative of those times that we might go through in our lives as believers. Charles Overton, he wrote um, this about the valley of the shadow of death. He says, This land of darkness into which our pilgrim now entered seems to represent the dark and unhappy frame of mind into which a true believer may fall. The absence of all sensible comfort, the trouble that is caused by the hiding of the Lord's face, the inability to find any spiritual communion with God in the use of ordinances, a dark and desponding feeling pervading the mind, Bodily weakness and Satan's temptations may all untie to make this region a darkness. So trials of the body, trials of the mind, temptations to depression, to despair, lack of assurance of salvation. It's a part of this feeling alienated from God that he's, he's not near. All of these things are... are can be found in the life of a pilgrim as they make their journey on the narrow way. Um, but Christian does continue on through. He gets to the end of the valley. And when he gets to the other side, he reflects on his journey. 
and he sang a song. And he said, a world of wonders. I can say no less that I should be preserved in that distress that I have met with here. O blessed be that hand that from it hath delivered me. Dangers and darkness, devils, hell, and sin did compass me while I this veil was in. Yea, snares and pits and traps and nets did lie. My path about that worthless silly eye. Might have been catched, entangled, and cast down. But since I live, let Jesus wear the crown. It, it's interesting that, that even though Christian had, had persevered through so much through this valley, and it had set his mind and to continue going, he, he also realized that the whole time it was not his own power and his own strength that sustained him through this, but rather it was the strength of the Lord that enabled him to, to make it through this valley. And so at the end, all of the praise and all of the glory and all of the honor go to the Lord. And so Christian has now made it through two valleys. Next time when we come back together to look at Pilgrim's Progress, we're going to see that, that Christian goes uh, into a godless city named Vanity Fair. And so we'll pick up there next time. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this book. We thank you for the illustrations it contains. We uh, thank you for the truths of the Christian life that, that are being displayed through it. We pray that you would help us to, uh, Lord, be able to see um, the, the Christian life in, in what's being described and that, um, Father, you would give us wisdom as we live it. And so, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.